the Island Portugal Business Network is comprised of more than 150 member companies based in Portugal and Ireland. These companies are from a wide range of industries and professions and represent in excess of 25,000 people. In partnership with Startup Lisboa, the IPBN invited all its members on May 4th to join in Lisbon at the headquarters of Startup Lisboa to learn about how to implement HR in your startup. In this special IPBN podcast, you will hear the best parts of the conversation with our keynote speaker, Reggie Deegan, founder of Q7 Leader and author of The People Model Canvas and human resources professor at Slovai Business School, who joined us remotely from Brussels. Every year, Reggie coaches startups and scale-ups, helping them to get their people basics right using the People Model Canvas. Hope you enjoy it. And if you're interested in getting a copy of Reggie's book, please contact Reggie on LinkedIn or contact IPBN General Manager Arnold Delville at arnold.delville at ireland-portugal.com. Thank you so much, Arnold. So, um, like 100% of my experiences, I've been coaching 40 to 50 startups in the last few years. And um, it's the reality of everybody once we start having this moment of, uh, of truth where suddenly we think we have no time more to do our business. We just are just busy trying to, to resolve people issues. And the question is to know how... How come these people issues grow over time? And this history, you can see it with this little uh, cartoon. One day, you've got Mr. or Mrs. Me coming to you asking for something that he or she legitimately considers, you know, something she should receive, like, you know, a mobile phone or a new desktop or, a, or an iPad or whatever. And in the beginning, you know, when you know everybody, you can sort of solve that and then you just get your, your still thing done and, uh, and people are happy and they move on until you ignite the pop-up phenomenon. Now, the pop-up phenomenon is the moment when people are looking at their colleagues and just suddenly they were quietly working hard for you and then suddenly they start thinking, well, what's up here? Why does he or she get this? And I introduce you to the quackers. Quackers are this kind of people that actually go close to the coffee machine and they're like that. They are quack, 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 about why him and not me. And uh, that reality in the beginning is not really what we're facing, but when the company grows, it becomes our, our day-to-day reality. And you know what? The good and bad news is that every company that grows grows is going to one day to face these same people issues. New people will come to the manager who will say, oh, I wish I knew how to resolve that without creating the next problem. They've got their payroll HR stuff under control. So the hard HR stuff is really okay, but the complexity is really coming with the soft HR. Now, do you know, uh, you know, these people are starting to get disengaged. You may even start losing some of your employees. Do you know what the number one root cause is for this disengagement? Do you know where this disengagement comes from? It's a very interesting research that done by Gallup, if you know the Gallup Research Institute. Um, what would you say is the, the, the root cause for these people suddenly being disengaged? But why would they suddenly react differently? What is, that, what, what is this thing that has changed? 
Well, I'll tell you what the research says. It says that the people will start moving the way that we are just describing uh, because they have the feeling of not being treated with equity anymore. So to your point about being all around the table together, everybody feels the same and feels well treated. And even if there are some differences in packages and, and working conditions, generally speaking, everybody feels part of the same journey. But when the company grows, the CEO actually moves out. When he, there is a celebration for a good sale, uh, suddenly the sale uh, is only celebrated with the two or three when before it was celebrated with everybody. So they start having the feeling that they're no longer part of the same journey. And they actually look at what happens to others. And that is what uh, Gallup says. They start looking at is, am I well treated in this company? And the problem with equity is that inequity doesn't matter whether you are equ equitable or not. What matters is what people feel, what is what they perceive. Inequity is perception is reality. The second thing which is really making our lives complicated as entrepreneurs is the second sentence. People prefer to earn less than their colleague to earn more. Do you understand that sentence? So people prefer to have less money on their bank accounts than having a colleague having more money on their bank accounts. I mean, as soon as you start having different people on your payroll, they start looking each, at each other and they interpret whether it's fair that one has a, you know, more money. I'm more performing than she is. Why does she have an, a pay increase and why don't I have it? Again, it's not the point whether it's normal or abnormal. There are some very interesting research that have been done by uh, Stanford University in the US where they just, um, it's called the, uh, and there is another one of maybe not even best one, ultimatum game that you want to search on the web ultimatum game. So you've got two people put in a room and they have $10,000 that they can share between the two of them. And if one says, so one is an actor and one actually has the job to push the other one to its limits. And what the research shows is that if I'm telling you that I take 7,000 out, out of the 10,000, you can only take three. Although actually I and I'm just a normal person, would normally, should, I should normally say, okay, at least I've got 3,000. Well, more than half of the people will say, uh, fuck off with your 10,000. I don't take anything because I don't want you to have anything. Because people can't accept injustice. And again, in, in companies, when the company grows, there are more and more factors that make people feel that the situation is not just. And so here we go with, the complexity of a company that grows and your third sentence on the slide says you leave a manager not a company if i have the feeling that my boss is not doing exactly what i feel is fair i will start feeling inequity and as the company grows there are there is a multiplication of those factors which leads to at some point in time people feeling you know not not engaged anymore and if they don't feel engaged anymore this is what happens these are, you know, the, the research, you know, every year there is a research on the uh, employee engagement index. You can see the number 14 up there. That number 14, can you see the slides? Yeah. 
this is sorry, my fault. Yeah. Okay. No, no. Oh, yeah. Because on the left, I think we have images. Doesn't affect comment. Perfect. Thank you. Sorry, Reggie. No problem. So, what you see there is that what you see there is the number of engaged employees in Europe today 14%. So, people actually wake up in the morning, are very excited to go to work, and actually don't really need management. We have only 14% of them. There are more than that in startups and scale-ups, but still the statistics speak uh, by, by itself. And if you have people less engaged, you have absenteeism growing, you have lower productivity, you have less profitability. So um, this problem is what, what actually leads to the problems that startups and scale-ups are facing. Um, uh, about you know not not having people working as hard as they used to when they started. So I would like to bring you just back to the basics, trying to understand where this comes from and how can you do something about it. Um, if you guys have your smartphone with you, do you want to uh, do you want to scan this QR code and tell me what you think? are the four management practices which creates engagement. So I've just put on, on the air four little drawings, which, uh, which I want you to comment. So in the, in the application, I'd like you to tell me what you believe these four images stand for. And these are the management practices which we as entrepreneurs in startups, need to apply systematically if you want to have uh, great people engagement. So let's see what you guys are. Think for, for, for yourselves about you know, your personal experience uh, about being engaged. So what you guys are saying, you talk about support, you talk about giving feedback, about praising uh, results. You got pretty much, uh, you've got pretty much um, the, the right answers. I'm going to I'm going now to share with you the the four management practices which uh, guarantee engagement uh, uh, to employees. Uh, it all starts with the vision, of course, right? We and we know there is a vision that comes from the boss, and here is the story. Why were people engaged in the beginning? Because they were close to the sun. The son was able, was telling the story in a sexy way. And so everybody just would already feel great. And what was the um, journey all about? It was giving clear expectations. People knew what was expected of them. And as the company grows, expectations be become less clear for employees. The second thing is they used to receive feedback because they were around the table, as you said. So, so you, have, you, were, you were giving, giving feedback um giving support and giving and doing recognition now those four management practices are the management practices that we as managers need to uh, practice on a regular basis and they are again scientifically proven by very interesting research here i can refer to the wilson learning corporation but to be fair there are many other research that proves that. If you as an employee have a boss who gives you clear expectations, 
gives you support when you need it, gives you continuous feedback and does recognition for the good things you do, you are engaged. And even if your working conditions are not great, you can live with it. The problem is that the more the company grows, the more managers struggle to apply these practices consistently. And as you said, when you're small, all together in the same room, all of those practices happen by nature. But as the company grows, they have to be organized. It has to be a sort of practice that has been decided upon, and this doesn't happen. And that's where the disconnect starts. Now, when, when should you, when the company becomes bigger, when should you um, practice those um, or apply those management practices? What's my question here is, when is the moment managers can best boost employee engagement with those practices? How would you describe that moment? Is there a, is there a, a moment when this would happen in a, in a more formal way? It's when you sit with your team member, really. That's what we call the one-on-one. That one-on-one is something that, by nature, when we are all small, we do that on a regular basis because we sit around the same table, as you very, you very well said. But as the company grows, we tend to forget doing that. And that one-on-one is one of the places where everything can happen. And it really is a major investment. Here is what Harvard Business Review says about it, very recent research. They said, employees of managers who don't have one-on-one meetings are four times more likely to be disengaged. Uh, Gallup says the same in its research. If you don't have regular meetings, you have three times more chances to not to be engaged as an employee. And there is even more research that says it doesn't matter whether your employee is very experienced and very strong in his job. You always need a regular one-on-one because these sessions are vital. And that's one of the things that we start stop doing at, uh, as we grow. Because we are so busy doing so many things and our managers and new managers don't have the time to sit down and they can't find and they explain to you why they can't do it. And that's one of the lessons learned. If you want to have this disconnect reduce, you must make sure that you force your organization to have those one-on-ones with your team members. Now, those one-on-ones don't have to be the same for everybody. The more senior you are, the less you need one-on-ones. I mean, if you've got a very senior job, you won't have a need, you won't need as much one-on-ones as a more junior job. But nevertheless, there are some rules. Uh, by the way, in the book, you will find those rules uh, so that you can, uh, you can sort of relate that to your organization. But this is, these are the, this is the sort of chain of dysfunctioning that actually gets companies in the difficulties In the beginning, we are so close to each other, then those links become less close and suddenly we actually start losing the effect of being a great little team. So we have to replace it by practices. If we don't do it, we have this lack of engagement. Now, the next thing that I wanted to share is when you have a manager and an employee sitting together in a one-on-one, you have two challenges. You have the challenge on the how, how are you going to talk? And you've got a challenge on the what. What are you going to talk about? Now, the challenge on the how, that's when we talk about, you know, 
you need to be an active listener. You need to show empathy, emotional intelligence. All those things are the things that we are being trained on. And lots of companies do a lot of investment in this, in this direction. The thing is that, unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be very effective because uh, despite all the investments, we still have employees not being very well engaged. Because the problem in the way we look at the world lies somewhere else. The problem is in the what. When you are a small company with a CEO around you, the CEO knows so well what the problem is and is able to explain and put things into the context that you need. But as the company grows, suddenly managers become less good because they're not any, anymore as confident that they master the content that they need to talk about. They, they're not sure they actually deliver fact-based content. They're not sure they are fair or they are consistent. And that's really where the things start going, going bad for managers because they start losing this connection with the, with the, the business and they have to start telling stories and those stories are not, not easy to tell. And there they lose their employees' uh, engagement. Now, if you go into understanding what are those what's you need to talk about, we did that research. And surprisingly, there are very few topics that need to be addressed. In fact, there are only three topics. The first topic is talking to the employee about his or her role and the goals that go with it. That's the topic that you want to discuss in a one-on-one. The second topic is talking to the employee about himself or herself in her role. So the first one talks about the role and the goals. The second one talks about the employee in the role. How do you do in that role? And the third topic is compensation. How much should you earn versus your contribution? So if you go back to the root of this conversation things start going wrong because managers no longer master the content of their uh one-on-ones where they can engage with the, the employee and get him or her motivated so the story is all right now we know that we need to make sure our managers do those one-on-ones and we need to make sure that when they do those one-on-ones, they are able to talk about the roles and the goals, the employee in the role and the, comp and the compensation versus the, the contribution. Now, here is the problem. The problem is that in HR, we have what we can call the 50 shades of HR blue. <laughs> when I talk about, uh, you know, she's good or he's competent or she's a great performer, Every single one of us has his own reading. And as you see, there are 50 different colors. When you say blue, it can be 50 different things. And that's where managers don't start from the same point and don't, don't talk about the same thing. Of course, if I talk with my employee and I say to her, you're, you know, I think you're, you still need development to reach your goals. If I haven't been very clear about those, those goals, well, obviously the person may think that she's reaching her goals. I mean, she will say, well, why do you say that? I'm doing my job pretty well. 
The reality is that we as managers, we are start, the more the company grows, the more we lack this rigor, and then we end up not starting from the same point and not talking about the same thing. So this is the story. The more the company grows, the more we will lack a shared understanding, the more there is a lack of shared understanding, the more we will see employee disengagement. All right, now, in order to resolve that, we have been working from a concept called the business model canvas. How many of you know the business model canvas? That's good news. For those who don't know Business Model Canvas, it's a, it's a very impressive little tool. It's the system thinking approach to how to build a business model. Uh, in, in most universities in the world now it's being taught, it's been designed by uh, uh, Swiss university professors. And it sort of summarizes the key elements you need to grasp and to master in order to do your uh, to, to design your, 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 organ, your, your business, your new business, really. And it applies whether you are in Timbuktu with, a, you know, sort of Articraft com company, or if you're in uh, San Francisco building a, a high-tech uh, premium company. It's these, all the ingredients of a business model um, are there in this canvas. And actually, as a teacher, I was myself following, you know, the lessons of some of my colleagues and as we were looking at the key resources uh, element, we of course have the human resources. And I thought for myself, this thing about business model canvas is so good. Why can't we try to help managers by doing a similar thing for the people related matters in companies? And uh, in my career, I've had the honor to work in uh, more than a hundred countries. I've, uh, I've been uh, HR manager for uh, very large corporations, uh, work, worked a lot in the UK, out, out of the UK, uh, in the US, and in Asia, and many European countries. So um, I can tell you that human beings are the same everywhere in the world, including in China. So starting from that statement, uh, I just thought, well, you know what, how about spending the last years of my professional life researching a way to synthesize the HR problems that managers encounter during their one-on-ones so that we can help them be better at engaging their employees. So that's where you know, I, I wrote this book called The People Model Canvas. I think the best way to summarize it is here. The People Model Canvas is a universal framework that brings together the essential elements of HR management in one integrated model. It simplifies and makes communication between managers, employees, and HR more objective by using system thinking approach and a shared language. This makes it easier for them to communicate and achieve tangible and actionable outputs in their daily interactions. So what did we do really, but by just uh, by, by this business model canvas? We started from the business model canvas, sorry, and we mapped each of the elements uh, that are behind those three big dimensions, role and goals, person in role, compensation versus, comp uh, versus contribution. And for each of those dimensions, we created definitions and practices that are universal that you can then share with your managers and employees in whatever sector you're working in. 
So if you talk about the roles and goals, well, these are the elements you need to have covered in your organization, whether you're a big or a small company doesn't change. You need to be clear about your general expectations. You need to be clear about your specific expectations. You need to be clear about what the person can do and how he can grow. It's not very difficult. You will see in the book, it's uh, pretty easy to, uh, to, um, to work out. And then you need to translate that into objectives or OKRs for those who are more modern than the smart objectives. You've got the uh, objective key results approach, which is the objective setting. What does this say? It says that whether you're a small or a big company, people need to know what their job is all about. And you will see in the book, it doesn't take five pages to describe a job. It's fine in one little page. You don't need a lot of information. But everybody needs that basic. And everybody needs to know what their objectives are going to be. And in the book, we show you how to describe those objectives in a very light way. So when it goes about the first dimension, which is the roles and the goals, these are the elements you need to, to tackle. Then when we talk about how the person operates within that role, we've mapped the other elements that go with it. Those elements are linked to what we call the operating mode. How does this person operate against the general expectations of that given role? And what do we look into? We look at today, that's what we call competence management. Where does the person sit today in its competences? We need to look at yesterday, that's what we call performance management, which is actually what, how did the person perform in the past? And we look at the future, which is the potential or the aspirations, which is what we call talent management in classical terms. We have to put that in the context of vision and values, because that's also the attitude, the way the person reacts versus the company values of the organization. You need to take into consideration some elements of the personal situation, like how long has the person been in the job? How long has the person been in the company? And some of this age situation. And then this has to translate into some developmental objectives that you can discuss. The third dimension is much uh, uh, straightforward. It, you have to have an agreement on your uh, package structure. How do you organize your uh, package? Again, in the book, we are coming up with some models so that any kind of company can structure those packages in a simple way. You do have to go for something called market-based pay ranges. So what does that mean? I am of those who will say to you, you shouldn't play around with salary data. So a market-based pay range is about how much is this role worth on the market? And if you say to me that it's difficult to obtain, that information, there are some major players. It will cost you 3,000 euro per, uh, per, per uh, uh, country, and you will get all the market data for all the jobs in your company. It's worth the investment because it will allow you to talk to your managers and employees about some real data. If you earn 25,000, I want you to know whether this is above the median of the market for that role below the median or on the, on the median. So that information is something you need to collect. I'm explaining to you in the book how to, how to get those data. There are some free websites in which you can get those data. But anyway, I really say to most startups and scale-ups, most of you don't think it's for you because you think you're too small. But in reality, that you compete with a market out there that is very well informed, 
And if you don't want to waste your time and your energy in trying to guess what the salary should be of an employee, then you know you better go into what we call market-based pay ranges. And then this translates that into those combination of those two, taking the, how the person operates in those uh, elements of talent, it allows you to build a fair compensation. These are the 17 ingredients that are being discussed in the men and then one-on-one. -on -one. And if you, if you control them a minimum, this is your HR agenda, by the way, you want your HR people to have the capacity to give you answers around all those topics. It may sound complicated, but you will see in the book that it's much less complicated than it seems if you don't have to redo the work of designing that model. So that's what we did. We designed that model. Now, uh, if you've got those uh, uh, elements, you put definitions on them. And the next thing is just get on with it, because that is how you get your basics right. Now, let me, let me give you an example. If we talk about the gender expectations, if you talk about the gender expectations, uh, here is a way for, for us to test whether what I'm saying works with your company. Can you read what is on this, uh, on this document? Yeah. So what we have observed is that for every company, there are seven general expectation profiles. We've benchmarked that with companies like Procter & Gamble, and we've used that in you know, hundreds of deal companies around the globe. And uh, let me help you. Let's do an exercise together. Uh, let me just go it this way. Think of a receptionist. And tell me where you think the job of a receptionist best fits in those seven profiles. I'll let you just have a look at it and tell me what the definition that best meets uh, the job of receptionist. An accountant does negotiations and make decisions that impact the organization. Traditionally, a junior accountant will be two and a full-fledged accountant will be three. A chief accountant will be four. However, look what happened in that, in that discussion we had. You all hear something different of what an accountant is. So we all use a title, accountant, but we see different things behind it. And that's where things go wrong. Because if you see different things, the employee also may have different views. So if you haven't clarified what an accountant is for you, you have the problem of having the employee also having his own view about what, what you're expecting. So take the example of a developer. And, and web developer, what, where would you think a developer sits? So interestingly, it's easier for you guys to come to an agreement. So an, a, a, a software developer is an administrator. So 90% of our customers will put their developers in two. And when they've got some lead developers who do some analysis and things like that, they may come into three. Why is it easier for a developer? Because people are you know, the kind of job is easier to grasp. It's, you know, you've got a language, you need to, to, to type a code, you've got a very clear frame and so forth. So this is an example. I mean, what I've done with you today is just showing you one of the key elements of the discussion of a manager with an employee to get this person engaged is being clear about expectations 
and we are not clear about expectations if we are not clarifying those expectations. So People Model Canvas has actually done that, but not only for, for, for roles, it's done that for uh, helping you define what competency is, giving you some levels of development in develop, you know, like in development or development or, or, or developing others, giving you some values on um, performance, values on potential, on aspiration, on vision and values, and so forth. I don't want to take you through the whole journey here, but I just wanted to, um, to show you, unfortunately, the problem that our companies are meeting when they've got you know, HR problems. It's nothing mysterious nor magical. It's only the logical consequence of not systematically applying the right fundamentals. Now, those right fundamentals are the ones I said to you. It's about being clear on roles and goals, about being objective on person, and it's about being uh, consistent in your remuneration. So the pleasure I have you know, to, um, um, you know, to tell you the story is because I, this, I agreed with Arnold that you don't have to buy my book. I just want to make sure that you guys are, are just being um, inspired in, in some way. Um, and so what I'm suggesting is that you guys just connect with me on LinkedIn and make a reference to uh, the conference we had today, the discussion we had today, so that uh, I will send you, I mean, somebody of our, of our team is looking at my, my, um, my LinkedIn, and it could be myself, and we will send you a code to download uh, the digital version of the book for free. But... Mm -hmm. What you will see in that, it's very, um, I mean, we have quite a lot of success in, in Belgium uh, uh, with entrepreneurs in startups and scale-ups because the book is not a book that is written for HR. It's a book about HR that is written for business leaders so that you guys get your basics right so that you don't make the mistake of, because you're becoming bigger suddenly, Losing all those connections in the relationship that you had in the beginning, very close relationship with your, with your employees, still being able to, uh, to make the right statements, trying to be as objective as you can, uh, uh, giving good feedback, giving good support, uh, clarifying your expectations and recognizing in a fair way so that you get your employees engaged. And of course, there is a, a, a scientific proof that if your employees are engaged, your company has 81% chances more to be performing than with employees not engaged. So I will, uh, I will leave you with this, this uh, conclusion and uh, eventually, you know, uh, happy to hear your, your comments and, uh, and, uh, and queries around this, this, uh, this topic. And uh, and again, as I said, I'll be delighted, uh, you know, to to send you this uh, this code for the book if you're interested into in it. And uh, um, and you're all always welcome once you've read it or if you read it, just don't hesitate to reach me and just make me your comments. Uh, I'd be very happy to uh, to hear to hear about it. Mm -hmm. I I think the easiest way is that you 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 connect with my LinkedIn on my LinkedIn and and I'll and I'll put the code straight to each one of you who's asking for it. All the best to you guys. Thank you very much for your attention. This has been a production of the IPBN in partnership with Pinkroom. For more information, visit us online at island-portugal.com 
and on LinkedIn at Island Portugal Business Network. For more IPBN podcasts, find us on Spotify or visit our website for the full list of episodes.